Welcome again, Lost in the Lockdown. We're doing episode 7, The Moth, and episode 8, Confidence Man, this week. So those are a Charlie and a uh, Sawyer episode, I believe. So we'll start, as always, with the first episode, The Moth, which is the first lock-centric. Sorry, not lock-centric. I've been ill all week. Charlie. Charlie. So, Scott, what have you got for us this week? Okay. The Moth, uh, which, as we've established, Charlie episode, uh, aired originally on the 3rd of November, 2004, and viewership on its date of air was 18.73 million. Uh, so I think that's quite a considerable up from last week, the previous week. I have to get a comparison chart out and do this properly. Um, director... I'll have a look whilst you're doing that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think last week's was like around 16 million. 16.83. Yeah. So I think they got the clearance for the season order. So I think that might have helped its cause. So the viewership would have picked up after those two fantastic episodes the previous two weeks. Um, so this, this one was... Uh, Jack Bender returned uh, to direct this episode. Um, who's one of obviously like one of the big in-house directors that they had there at ABC, uh, and it was written by it was co-written, funnily enough, by a lady called Jennifer Johnson, who also acted as a co-producer on the show, and Paul Dini, who I'm sure the three of us are familiar with from his work on uh, Warner Brothers Animation. Correct. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's uh, he was a co-writer on this as well. Wow. So this episode, I think I did mention it last week that it was awarded a Prism Award for the depiction of Charlie's uh, smack habit, um, along with the pilot and uh, White Rabbit, was it maybe? I think it was right, right, yeah, White Rabbit. Yeah. Um, and IGN, because we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go by Jen on these on these things. Um, they voted it the thirty sixth best episode of the show so not not in the upper echelon but kind of fairly well regarded i do worry what ign's favorite episode will would, would actually be <laughs> it's it's the constant i'm pretty sure it's the constant i haven't seen it but oh. i'm pretty sure it's the constant i'll let them off then because that's fair enough yeah <laughs> that's fair enough uh yeah I haven't got okay. any other facts for the date, but I've got some more birthdays, if you want some more birthdays. Yeah, always. Alright, we've got um, 80s heartthrob Ralph Macchio. He's <laughs> <laughs> obviously doing the rounds on uh, Cobra Kai on YouTube now. Um, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, and Walter Cronkite, who's super old now. Wow. 92 years old, still going. And P. Diddy, or whatever name he's going by these days. So, I think he's gone back, hasn't he? Is I think it, he's gone it, back. I'm sure he has. Or was it Puffy? I could again? be wrong. Do you know what? I don't know why I've just thought... Well, I know why I've just thought of this, but you know last week we were talking about Snoop Dogg? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I don't know why I ended up looking at this, but he's only 48. What? <laughs> and I know we were like, oh, that dude must be 60 by now. Yeah. Now he's 48. So either... No, nah, he's had a bad innings, hasn't he? It's all the weed he smoked. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's 40... Yeah, he's definitely had a bad innings. He's only. <laughs> I was like, he's only thirteen years old. But... That doesn't seem right. 
Yeah, let me just let me just let me just double check this, but because I remember thinking that dude's got a grandson or a granddaughter. I can't remember which one he's got. Um, but I think he, he looked about fifty when he was like in like you know two thousand. <laughs> yeah. No, yep, he is born on October the twentieth, nineteen seventy-one, which makes him forty-eight years old. <sighs> He's been active since 1992, so he was 21 when he first started. It feels like he's been around so much longer than that. It does. It's just everlasting. (laughs) (laughs) Everlasting everlasting dog stopper. Oh my god. He's he's the Richard Alpert of hip hop. <laughs> he, I like that reference. That is so true, and and something's just made me laugh looking at his relatives. But Nate Dog is his cousin, and I never put two and two together. Uh, he was trying to ride on those doggy coattails <laughs> on the doggy coattails of of the West Coast G Funk era of the nineties. Loving it, <laughs> right? But we digress. So, if anyone is listening to this and listens to this first, last week we talked about Snoop Dogg. So go back. <laughs> anyway let's get into it then so the moth charlie flashbacks i think we'll start with if that's okay so i don't know if anyone's straight up i just immediately got oasis vibes because this is the first episode where we get drive shaft properly yeah and the first time that we get you all everybody in its entirety (laughs) because i believe it hadn't been written at that point but Don Monaghan being from Manchester and with a lead singer called Liam <laughs> for a brother. Yep. I felt like I got a bit of Oasis vibes. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, 100%. It was it was very strange um, because it wasn't wasn't really at the height of of Oasis's um, reign, you know, 2004. Uh, it was on the out, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe they thought people had, had sort of forgotten about them. But I think anybody on this side of the pond watching would be like, Mm, mm, call him Liam from Manchester, you know. It's a bit convenient, <laughs> um, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but but I looked it up. I was like, I, I thought it was quite nice that uh, Dominic Monaghan. He is he is from Manchester, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and I thought I, I can't remember what accent. Um, like if his brother is played by another Mancunian. So, nope. As soon as he opens his no. mouth, nope. It was like that's that's like Daphne from Frasier levels of bad. I thought you know. <laughs> He's uh, called Neil Hopkins, and he's from New Jersey. So that sounds like an English name, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. There's no Neil's in America. Oh, it's Neil Edward. Oh. Neil, Neil Edward. Edward. Neil Edward Hopkins. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just having a look, see if he... Now he, he was born in New Jersey, moved to Aurora, Colorado. <laughs> what, to make it big? <laughs> <laughs> to make it big. And then he went to Massachusetts. Fucking hell. Yeah. But then he's... I'm just curious now that we're on to it. So what's he been in? He was in the... Right, here's an interesting one. So for if you ever saw it, one of DC's, to my knowledge anyway, first live action, Birds of Prey, that one season wonder that was on what was originally the, the WB, oh, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. He was in that, but I don't know as who. Um... He was in a couple of episodes of Charmed. <laughs> uh, and it looks like he's been in every single CSI or NCIS known to man. <laughs> some point. That's just a guaranteed paycheck for an actor, ACSI. Yeah, that's true. 
It looks like he's also been in every CW show of the early noughties. <laughs> the 4400, Ghost Whisperer. I remember all of them. <laughs> oh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. <laughs> in that. So he's a bit part player. Yeah. He's a bit part player, yeah, by the looks of it. Yeah, he pops up in pretty much okay. everything you can think of, but his biggest role definitely today, looking at this, is Lost. Lost. Uh, that's not too bad. I mean, I guess showing up in all these shows. I mean, it's a living, you know. People people have got to eat. It's true. It does make me wonder, though, like when <laughs> American actors do put on English. Do, do you think the American audience actually think that's a good English accent? I don't think they really care. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. And, and to be honest, most Americans that try to do an English accent fail miserably. Yeah. Um, and, and They just end up doing Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. <laughs> it is. It's just always, par- it's always parody or satire, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. You never see someone do a proper English accent. Yeah. Uh, Oh, but your man, your man gave a good gave a good go at it. It wasn't bad, yeah. no, at all. But it was distinctly obvious that he wasn't English. I mean, that first scene, he's obviously talking to Charlie, to Dominic Monaghan. So it's just the the difference between the two. You're just like, mm. <laughs> it, just, it just it just really stood out to me. Uh, I was like, oh, that's that's just a bit sticks out a bit like a oh, I can't even talk sticks out like a sore thumb. But um, yeah. No, he's not bad at all. I, th- I thought he was quite good across the episode, but the accent was left a lot to be desired. One thing that I always notice with the, especially Charlie flashbacks, is obviously because it's an American show and was primarily based in Oahu. But I know a lot of the pickups were probably done in like LA and stuff. How they try and do an English, uh, like countryside, or they try and do like an English city when it's clearly like in in America somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, that always makes me laugh whenever they try and do that. I mean, again, they did okay, but obviously, being from the UK, it's very much to be desired, I guess. Well, I guess it's kind of not in the same way, but you know, a lot of films and TV shows won't film in New York because it's so expensive, so they go to like Seattle, and then you won't notice the difference. No, you won't. No, I mean, just on a bit of a side note, I'm always amazed that like you know uh, the first captain america film was primarily filmed in manchester oh that's just so it's so well done as well i love the productions on that yeah exactly like we were watching it the other day again and i, I just sit down i think it's, i mean some of it was the liverpool docks as well and i yeah, think yeah. it's just insane how they managed to dress that up as like 40s new york incredible right so we'll move on then so charlie's talking to a priest in this if i remember rightly and he wants to quit his band because it's got the bad influence upon him, especially that of his brother, who we have already discussed. <laughs> um, I think for me, like we said, or like Scott's already said, I think it's depiction of drug addiction, especially for a network show, because there would have been only so far they could have gone with it. Um, especially knowing what we know about Charlie on the island, he's, he's hunting for a fix a lot of the time in these early episodes. But I think it's very well done. It's very tastefully done, especially. Yeah, yeah. You're not you're not seeing him actually. I mean, we see it a couple of times here and there. You see him like, getting his gear out of the packet and not like, fiddling around. But you don't see him like you don't see it explicitly being taken. Him, um, you know, like collapsing and you know, and then doing the the, the classic drug-addled gurn on this. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? You don't get anything yeah. like that. Um, so yeah, no, I agree. Definitely tastefully done. Yeah. What well, the other the other thing I liked is 
they, they never actually say what drug it is. Like, it's quite obvious, but they never actually say. So I, I just thought it was quite specific. Charlie says, give me my drugs. They always just say drugs. They never say, you know, yeah. it doesn't say, you know, give me whatever it is. It's just give me my drugs. Drugs. We're not, we're not allowed to say what it is. Just give me my drugs. Do you know, I never thought of it like that. It, it's very broad, but then you can imagine that Lindelof and Abrams or whoever it was right in the writer's room were like, you can't say heroin. <laughs> yeah. You cannot say cocaine or whichever it is. Yeah. I think it's her- meant to be heroin. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think so. Because uh, one of the production notes I read is that Don Monaghan actually was snorting brown sugar. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he was snorting brown sugar. Um. So yeah, Charlie doesn't want to keep up with the band because of the the drugs and everything that the band engages in. But his brother, that pesky old Liam, talks him into signing a record contract and saying he'd quit any time, um, which we all know is going to lead him down a bad path. <laughs> now, if I'm right in thinking, Liam's the bad one initially, isn't he? Charlie has nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He warns him off the drug, doesn't he? He's, I think he's a gig. Yeah. Oh, this stuff's going to ruin your life. And he's like, ah, let's have a party. And he's, you know, we've already... <laughs> he goes full on Frank Gallagher for like two seconds. <laughs> Do you know, before you said Frank Gallagher, I just immediately thought that sounded like Frank Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he does. He does. And it's it's that one-way... Well, it's that one-way uh, street into darkness, I guess, for Charlie. Because then... It does a bit of a flip, doesn't it? Liam becomes the proper, the proper good one in the end. He puts on glasses, and all of a sudden he's a changed man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's got a kid. He's got a little daughter. <laughs> Come on, let's get the let's get the band back together. <laughs> Feels like that's what Liam, Liam, the actual Liam's doing these days now, yeah. isn't it? On Twitter, <laughs> let's get the band back together, our kid. Remind me of um, I don't know if you, John, might remember it. Do you remember a League, League of Gentlemen? Mm-hmm comedy show and you had the, the character um Lesbian Queen who was try- always trying to get um Creme Brulee back together and he and everyone else is like kinda of moved on. He's just always banging on about <laughs> Creme Brulee. <laughs> Creme Brulee, yeah. Fantastic. I went I went to see them when they came back to when they got back. Oh he's back and they did. <laughs> oh man <laughs> <laughs> I love League of Gentlemen. I love anything that they do. They're just geniuses. But yeah, they they did that skit. And I was in tears. <laughs> I was trying to figure out when I was watching the episode um, why Charlie just started to take drugs. And I, 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 it seems pretty on, on the nose, but was it just simply because he just felt isolated and he felt like he couldn't like live up to what his brother was just just in that moment of when they were in, in that backstage room? Yeah, I, I, I took it as a moment of weakness, really, that, you know, his brother had almost betrayed him in a way. He's He made a promise and he didn't keep it, basically. And it was yeah. like a moment of a weakness. I think he says that the argument they have is that um, his brother, Liam, is the band. You know, nobody nobody remembers the bass player. Nobody knows the bass player. And Charlie's like, well, just throws the head up and <laughs> finds his brother's drugs um, in the in the dressing room and just goes from there but like it's i guess it's the theme of the episode you know charlie feels pretty useless um you know in the band and also on the island um so 
which again I was we, I was going to bring up as well. But it's that uh, once again, generally speaking about <clears throat> the writing, especially in these early episodes, is that that perfect synergy mm-hmm. that the flashbacks and everything that's happening on the island have, mm-hmm. and how cohesive everything feels. It's just I'll always say it. It just feels mad how well it's written it is to start <clears throat> with, especially. Um, and just whilst we were talking about no one remembers the bass player, there's always that joke in music. What did the drummer say before he got kicked out of the band? I've got a song, let's jam it. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever does that. So you get a bit of You All Everybody, which is, I love that song, even though it's it's not fantastic, but it always makes me think of Charlie and Happy Days. <laughs> um, we've talked about the backstage groupy thing that Liam has going on. He's obviously high on heroin, and that's when he falls down into the depression and everything actually i didn't realize up until this rewatch that charlie was the bass player and i think he says it in the pilot as well but i completely missed it i always thought he was the guitarist yeah he does he does say a few times he was the bass player um for each episode you know when he's obviously trying to trying to be like a bit of a shill and you know say you know i was in drive shaft but you only you only see him play the guitar so you get this you kind of understand that he was probably a songwriter and then you get, you kind of, um, that's really confirmed in this episode when, you know, he's, he, his brother says to me, you know, you write the songs and I just sing them. So he's clearly talented, uh, but it, obviously the talent is not showcased um, by himself. You know, it's, it's just yeah. from his brother. I think just coming to like, the, I know it's been a quite a quick discussion about the, the flashbacks, but the, whilst, there's a lot going on. There's not a lot of them in a way in this episode, but the tail end being obviously Liam's clean now. He's living in Australia. That's the reason Charlie's on uh, flight eight one five, returning home. Uh, but he wanted Liam to do the Drive Chef comeback tour, and I guess the irony there is that the promoters won't do the tour without Liam, but Charlie's the talented one. Mm-hmm. And I guess that yeah. that's still that uselessness that he feels yeah. in himself and amongst his fellow survivors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, he blames Liam for getting him hooked on the drugs in the first place. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's a good it's a good scene. That I quite like um, a lot of. I wasn't a big fan of a lot of the flashback stuff in this episode. I don't know why. I think it was because it was very. Um, it was very like a PG rated sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and it, it just—I don't know—it didn't feel as genuine to me. Like the the, the story of, of Charlie going down the the road of, of becoming a, a junkie, I guess. Um, but I, I really do like that last scene um, where he's talking to his brother. Um, I just—I I guess every sort of music biopic has been ruined uh, since or retroactively by Walk Hard. It's all I can think about whenever there's this type of thing, you know. So I don't know. It, like this, I, I mentioned on Twitter, this was the the first episode where I wasn't like one hundred percent on board. I wasn't one hundred percent positive about. Um, just I think because it, it's a it is a, a little bit sanitized for me, and I know that they can only get away with so much on on TV like that. But um, yeah, it just felt very. I don't think it would work quite as well as, as some of the previous episodes have worked, really. Not that I think it's a bad episode, just compared to the ones that have gone before. I know what you mean. Like I've just said about the flashbacks, there's there's not a lot of it, in a way, yeah. uh, because it almost feels like they, they tell you that just 
the bare essentials really but they don't mm-hmm. go any further than that mm-hmm. which is which is perfectly fine for this episode because like we've said you get the you get the details that this is why Charlie feels the way he is and this is how he is and at this point mm-hmm. in the show that's all you really need but I think you're right on on a reflection and a rewatch it the flashbacks especially don't land as well perhaps it's more the stuff on the island that mm-hmm. pops <laughs> yeah yeah but I mean the, I'm sure there's another episode in this season where there's another Charlie episode this season yeah yeah that's right there would be so I'm I'm sure there's like it, it fleshes it out a bit more as as all the the episodes do. For me, it does, but it also is a bit of a retread. But we'll get to that. <laughs> it's a bit. Okay, it's, okay, it's a, it feels like a bit of a retread, which eh, I guess they get away with almost. But yeah, so mm-hmm. that final flashback. I think it's worth noting as well. Probably out of complete guilt, but Liam wants Charlie to. He wants to help him get clean because yeah, mm-hmm. he mentions that there's some rehab programs in Sydney and that he can get his help but Charlie obviously feeling very angry at the way his life's gone lashes out and leaves mm-hmm. and you can assume that's the well that is the last time he ever sees his brother so that then yeah. covers the flashbacks and everything that happens on the island for me and I, by the sounds of it John as well is a bit more interesting so from what I've mm-hmm. picked up I'm just reading the notes. It's day eight on the island, which I didn't realize. Um, And he's starting to suffer from the withdrawals because he voluntarily gave the heroin to Locke in the previous episode. Mm -hmm. Okay. I I totally missed that scene. I think it's the... I'm sure. Yeah, it's when he... um, When Locke... Gives him or shows him where the guitar is. I think it's when he yes, gives it to him. Right. Yeah, because he says you've got to give something for the island to give you something back. That's right. Yeah, sacrifice. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Locke just wanted it for himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the bit they don't show you. Yeah, that's why he doesn't give it back to him. All this, this whole episode, because he used it. That's why he's yeah. so spiritual. He's so true. <laughs> yeah, I was then in the last like, three episodes. Locke has just been like, "Yeah, well, I'm I'm good. I'm just going to skin this ball and just no, no, nothing." Mate. That's that's worth noting actually that Locke's very elusive in these in this this handful of episodes, probably from the last one up until after Confidence Man, which I can't remember the name of. But he, he's just doing his thing. You know, at this point, you've established straight away <laughs> he's the dude that kills the food. We don't really need to do much with him just yet. <laughs> you've you've learned everything yeah. you need to know at this point. We'll just have him in the background cutting up boar and whatever and disappearing occasionally. <laughs> I, I made a I made a note about Locke. Just a quick one. Go on. Um, like, I'll just put enjoyed Locke, um, lol. Enjoyed Locke's <laughs> role as Charlie's guardian angel. Though he spent the entire episode skinning and preparing a boar for tea. <laughs> he does act a bit like a guardian yeah. angel. It's- yeah, he definitely does, but he, he literally is only in sequences of catching the boar, skinning the boar, and then preparing the boar for food later on. <laughs> That's all he does. You see, the only, the only defining image of this episode I remember is Locke with a bloodied shirt and hand, and he's talking about, obviously, the moth, the you know, the name of the episode, but the, the metaphor behind it. But yeah, that's my defining memory of it, is where he's got the knife, he's just pointing at it. <laughs> a little spoon. Oh, he's not... He, Again, he's great in this, regardless of the amount of screen time. But yeah, it serves an enormous purpose 
for the character yeah. of Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like I have written down here just with those those scenes about the moth. I think last week we mentioned how um, Locke had the the conversation with Jack, you know, about about being a leader and all that sort of stuff, and we were like, oh, okay, here we go, Locke's off on one again. <laughs> yeah. So I've just I've just written down um, in relation to Locke's we. Um, speech about the moth i've just written lock bollocks again (laughs) (laughs) it's just off on one (laughs) you you can almost imagine him looking into the distance terry o'quinn just kind of you know that it's kind of like richmond in it crowd where he just kind of looks into the distance there's clearly nothing there he has a big big monologue ready to talk about but it works it just works but whilst we're talking about the moth i i always again symbolism's rife in this show um, continues throughout the entirety of it, and especially when you get to the end. But um, this one's very on the nose. <laughs> yeah, very on the nose. Well, yeah, definitely very on the nose. Um, but I, I, I kind of like stuff like this, especially when it's something as simple as like a moth trying to break free. Yeah, I don't know why. It just it always appeals to me that that kind of very simple symbolism. So obviously the idea that the moth, you know, can't get out. Lot can help it get out, but it'd probably die. <laughs> and obviously, how that feeds into Charlie, you know, yeah. I could help you, but you'll only, you know, once, one step, two steps back, one step forward, kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, I think the line is something like, um, I might be paraphrasing, but uh, with struggle comes strength, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, which is very, very true. Um, yeah. He says something along the lines of like, I think nature and struggle are what make people stronger. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that sounds more correct. <laughs> Some, something like that, because obviously he's very naturist and spiritual, as we've already discussed. Lockbox. <laughs> he's probably been reading through <laughs> saw his books. Sound like a really great na- nature book. Just been flicking through that. <laughs> Imagine if like an Attenborough book had crash landed as well, and that's what Locke was reading. <laughs> that's how he knows everything. Because he's just like, oh, that's that's that kind of boy. I'll go for it. That's got the most meat on it. But at least he's indicating there that you know Charlie needs to fight through the suffering, and then he'll be fine once he gets through mm-hmm. it. Again, though, I I just feel I know um, because we all know that the fate of Locke and um, what, what eventually happens to him, and then after his after his um, last appearance, if you want to call it his last appearance, what then happens in the terms of the character of Locke. Um, it might be just to do with that, but every time I see him talk to a character and trying to motivate them or encourage them or guide them in any way, I just get this feeling that he's just doing it just to be an arsehole and just to manipulate. Because hmm. I, I, you know he can. Yeah, and because he's got, he's got all these... He's got everything in terms of power... In his hand, he's got most of the knowledge. He's hiding secrets from them, like with Smokey and his legs. And it just feels like he's doing it to cause rift and divide. Um, I don't know. It might just be. It might just be because of how we know what we know about him going further. But uh, it might also just be because of the last few episodes we've seen him. You know, we have we have that knowledge already that he's mm. a bit secretive. I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys feel. No, I, I I know what you mean. I think it's again it's again that that reflection when you're rewatching it. But it, I think you said it last week, Scott, or maybe the week before. How, they've, in a way, all these characters have a bit of well, not all of them, but especially like the the main core 
of like Jack, Kate, Sawyer, Locke, maybe a couple of others. I've got that kind of, I don't want to say villainy because that's maybe too strong, but they've all got that aspect of them where there's a power play involved and at any moment they could switch it on. Yeah. Um, mm. They're not all black. Well, to bring up the symbolism again, they're not all black and white. Um, there is something in them, but I know what you mean. You're, you're watching it thinking, in a way, was Locke always being positioned, whether it was the real Locke or not, as as a villain in some way, yeah. as much as we love him and understand everything he's kind of explaining, he was still quite power mad in a way. He'd still got that about him. And he's stubborn as well. That That's always a big indicator. Mm. Yeah, he's very stubborn. And, he, yeah, he, and a lot of the time he feels very... He seems to be um, uh, just, just like, ap- apathetic about a lot of things. Like, I think last week when he when they run out of the water for Claire and Locke's just like, yeah, it's fine, you know, don't worry about it. Everyone's not panicking, like she's going to really suffer. This pregnant girl's going to have some problems. He's like, eh, I know how to get water from this. It's not, it's not an issue. Like, I guess that, that's a good thing to think about, though, because is is that because of what he knows, do you think? He just think even though they don't have the water, do you think in the back of his mind as a character anyway, he, he's kind of thinking, it'll happen, something will happen, don't worry. I, th- I think, that's why it, yeah. He's just become the eternal optimist, just through yeah. the events of what's happened to him. And he's just he's just become the ultimate believer because he's, you know, you could word it differently, but he's experienced the the ultimate miracle in his in his personal opinion. You know, he's got the use of his legs back. Um, you can't really argue with the guy. If if everyone else did know, then they wouldn't be able to argue with him. But the fact he's keeping it secret just for me makes it a, li- a little more ominous and a little more sort of um, yeah. plotty and i guess the the next a bit going very quickly further down the road but the next logical progression of what what can we give him back that doesn't involve his legs is oh we'll resurrect him <laughs> and i guess that's that's that kind of thing that we where the next part of the show goes into but we'll get there eventually <laughs> but yeah lock fantastic <laughs> we love lock we was um what else happens in this episode then? The cave in. Uh, Jack gets trapped in the caves. Oh, yes. Of course. Of course. Oh, yeah. Because this is where Charlie stands up to be accounted for and not be uh, useless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does that happen again? I'm trying to remember. Oh, Michael. Is it Michael? No, no. I'm Jack. No, it's Charlie who shouts, doesn't he? And then yeah. it caves in. Yeah, that's right. So he feels guilt again. <laughs> <laughs> He's having the argument with Jack because um, Jack said, like, piss off because you just spilt the box everywhere. That's and Charlie, Charlie like, confronts him and says, look, you know, I'm, I'm the bass player. I can do whatever I want. And he g- gets his bass out and he starts doing your everybody, like, really loud, up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just make 10 louder? <laughs> um, no, no, I don't know. He shouts, I don't know what he shouts at Jack, but he just shouts and then, yeah, Cave comes in and uh, yeah, Charlie kind of escapes unscathed pretty quickly. It's quite Isn't quick, quite... it something as trivial as wanting him to move his guitar? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Jack's like, move, move. Do you mind moving your guitar very politely in his very Matthew Fox way? <laughs> and Charlie's like, oh, bugger off, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty much exactly what happens because um, they're bringing um, Jack and Hurley were bringing stuff back from the beach. 
and like uh, it just, it, I think he just doesn't ask Charlie for help, and Charlie just loses the head and then shouts. Apparently, shouts so loud that the entire cave collapses. <laughs> it's that Mancunian accent. <laughs> I mean, I can talk because I'm—I know I'm northern, but you know. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, so we've got that whole B plot really then with mm. Jack trapped inside the cave, and the reason I got mixed up then is in my notes. I, the next note down was that Michael leads the uh, the rescue attempt. Um, uh, for some reason, I thought it was Michael shouting about Walt that caused the uh, <laughs> the, the cave in. But <laughs> to be fair, it wouldn't have been a bad guess considering yeah. you know so. For for some reason, genuinely in that in that split second, I thought that's Michael's fault, and then I remembered it wasn't. Yeah. It's all his previous shouting, you know, weakened the structure, and Charlie was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, he just weakened it, yep. for Charlie, to take take over. Funnily enough, I'd written down here as well because I thought it was quite interesting. Um, this is, from my knowledge anyway, from the notes I've made, um, outside of the core. 16 i want to say i can't remember how many cast members of 14 to 16 cast members it's the first mention of some minor characters or other survivors so oh, yes. michael's, Mike, michael's rescue attempt is helped by steve and scott mm-hmm. <laughs> yes i have that written down too oh i just thought that was like a neat little moment because it's so easy to get wrapped up in everything that's happening but there are other people on the island <laughs> But isn't, isn't that a, a running joke, those two characters, that nobody can remember which is which? Again, you, you've watched ahead, so you might know, but I, I just remember that being some sort of, like, almost a running joke that, you know, Steve is always confused for Scott and Scott is always confused for Steve anytime, like, a main character needs help from the other survivors. It's like, Scott, oh, no, I'm Steve. Or Steve, oh, no, I'm Scott, he's Steve. That sort of thing. I think you might be right, actually. Yeah, I just got that, yeah. I always thought it was similar to like Star Trek's red shirt kind of gag. <laughs> that they yeah. die all the time. But you know, they were like so disposable that they easily forget their names. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was quite neat that we're actually getting more than just the main core cast involved. Cause, I mean, there are what, 40 plus survivors, I think, it's supposed to be 40 plus survivors. Mm. And we're actually deciding quite early on as well because you think about it a lot of shows nowadays if they do something similar not saying that they do like a plane crash scenario but if they've got something where there's lots of characters that are surrounded by other minor characters they could go episodes upon episodes before remotely introducing them and it's kind of like oh yeah they were always here and you think bugger off they've never been there (laughs) not established this at least they're doing that in this I, i wondered i think it was in the first episode um, because there's there's so many other background characters, um, I wonder if like anybody's ever like kept track of them, you know, or if they change from week to week because nobody really notices them in the back. You know, I wonder if all those actors were kept on the whole season, <laughs> or if they just switched them out week on week. Steve and Scott change actors because you don't see them that often. <laughs> That's probably the joke. <laughs> That's yeah. why you don't know who they are because they're different actors each time. <laughs> so. There's a bit in this episode as well. Obviously, Jack's stuck in the cave. Charlie's attempting to get him out alongside Michael leading the ex- ex- exhibition. What am I on about? The the rescue party. But there's also uh, a plot with Sawyer mm. and Kate. And Saeed. 
And Saeed, of course. And and Boone, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I've got written here. Yeah, Boone is part of it, but then he joins the rescue mission, and it's up to That's everybody's right. favourite, Shannon, to save the day. Shannon. And she does it, to her credit. <laughs> I mean, she, she, she doesn't fail, but... Um, like every every time it, it cut to her, I was like, "No, oh, she's she's gonna she's gonna mess this up for everybody." But uh, nope, she remembers. Oh, so yeah. I have no no quarrel with Shannon this week. No, no, me neither. No, she's still sunbathing. If I'm right, <laughs> yeah, she's still doing a sunbathing, and because that's important. The only bit um, on Shannon watch, which did you know, it did kind of leap out to me. Shannon watch. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, she did she did do what she was asked to do by Boone. However, when he initially asked her, her reaction made my fucking blood boil. <laughs> I was just like, can you just just literally look, just be a bit more considerate of, of other people in this situation? Because week to week, she's just been totally, completely nonplussed about everyone else but herself. And in my opinion, it kind of throws back at her in the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Because I've, I've put a note here. This episode, I put Shannon Div. She annoys me, and just jumping forward to the next one very briefly, I put Shannon don't care. <laughs> well, I tell you what, then we'll we'll mention some comments that you have so kindly gone out to on Twitter for Scott in the next episode, then because, like we said, she's not all that bad in this one. She she serves her purpose, even though she is still annoying. But the next one, definitely, I agree. <laughs> but I but I was also thinking I made another note. In terms of this plot point with Saeed and Kate and Byrne trying to triangulate the signal, um, is Saeed the only one from the core sort of group that really cares about leaving? Everyone else seems like pretty like happy with what they're doing. He's the only one who's actually trying to do anything, like or leading any kind of plan to leave the island. It's really weird because Jack seems a bit like oh, don't care, you know, and Kate is probably the only other one who's really invested in it. Mm. At any well, point, yeah, I think at this point you're probably right because Jack's all but given up on like the signal fire, hasn't he? So that's why they've moved inland to the caves. Kate, mm, Kate probably wants to stay on the island because she's wanted any, by the law anyway. At this point, anyway, um, and everyone else, like you say, they might only be like a week into it within the chronology of the show, but they all seem fairly okay with what what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, I guess they've got enough food. <laughs> <laughs> Even Michael at this point, Michael's like, Yeah, it's mm. cool. I don't I don't need my raft yet. <laughs> <laughs> I quite liked that I mean obviously we know it's like the on the nose metaphor for the Charlie moth thing coming out of his cocoon. Right, you know, it's well done. Um but uh, I liked how the kind of the roles were reversed from the pilot where Jack is now the one in peril and everyone's grouped together to save him. And it's kind of, yeah. even though it's only been like a few episodes, they're already kind of displaying that community and solidarity. It's probably, I think it might be brought on by Jack himself, you know. Mm. I never, I never thought of that. That's really good. That's really interesting. And you, like you said, that that core cast, or you feel like you've known them for ages already, and we're only on episode seven. Hmm. Yeah, they're all very together, and you know, they're, you know, figurative, literally. Um, they, they all pretty much jump up and rush to to. To Jack's aid when when they find out what's happened and um, yeah and it was just and obviously when he gets out everyone's kind of really relieved and 
uh, obviously Charlie gets a lot of praise, but I just I just liked it how it, to me it probably would have it would have been more fit into what I've just said if Jack was on his own in the yeah. cave and he had no help and he and everyone just had to group together and help him out and so those roles would have been reversed completely. Yeah, uh, yeah just something I noticed in it. It's quite, quite no, cool I to agree. see that. I really like the resolution of that uh, that storyline. Obviously, Charlie gets into the cave. It caves in again. And then he does see a moth, if I'm right. Or is it a butterfly that's flying up? So we know there's air. Yeah, he sees the moth, yeah. Yeah, he sees the moth. So obviously, there's a lot of symbolism kicking around in this one. Name of the episode. Locks little uh, monologue to Charlie. And then this is what saves him and Jack. Just one point I'd like to make. I don't get squeamish a lot, right? I I binge horror. I love it. I don't mind it. A lot of stuff in real life doesn't affect me too much. But for some reason, it's always when you're popping shoulders and legs back in. It <laughs> does my head in. I don't know if it's just me, but I, I always hate it. I think it's because I, I dislocated my finger once and had to pop it back in. Oh. And, <laughs> you know, ironic. It was my own fault that I was at a Slipknot concert and <laughs> I was I couldn't get out, so I had to do it there and then. Oh. <laughs> That's by the by. Um, it's my own fault. I was in the mosh pit and yeah, my my finger ended up bending. So I went to do devil horns. Cause I was really in the moment, didn't realize it had happened, and I was like, yeah. And one of my friends just pointed at me like, "What's going on there?" <laughs> so, oh, sick fingers sticking out no, literally, literally we were right at the front everyone's going mental I, you know we're standing can't get out i got people i got all my circle of friends to literally form a circle around me and be like and i'm screaming over the top of slipknot i'm shouting what do i do <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't feel any pain it was just at a wonky angle and everyone was like you have to like pull and push oh oh no i, I don't like that i did that and um no, yeah, exactly. You see what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. So, away from that, we'll go back to fictional land now. But like, he, uh, Jack does his shoulder in Dunty. He gets it stuck under a rock, I think, and it pops out his shoulder. So Charlie has to man up and take Jack's advice and pop it back in. And for some reason, it always gives me the heebie-jeebies. I don't know if it's just me. I, I get scared because I think, what well, is it? Is it going to be that bad if it ever happens to me? Mm. Is it that painful? You know, can I do it on my own if it happens to me? Probably not. But <laughs> no, definitely not. I don't think something like that. It always amazes me though that how you can. Um, I won't go any further into detail, but from my own experience, if you if you do it cleanly, how you can just go straight back to using it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like <laughs> using the finger, or I'd imagine the the arm. It's just as long as it doesn't bruise, you're fine, and it's a clean pop, as they say. <laughs> it's just the human body's amazing so we just you're assume back to devil time. horns you what, sorry <laughs> so you're back to devil horns in no time <laughs> i got the girl the girls in the group to give me a bobble each and i wrapped that's how i wrapped up my finger <laughs> <laughs> and then i went and then i went out drinking afterwards <laughs> best way that's so I, I didn't feel anything after that <laughs> and it was a bloody good gig as well um <laughs> so but yeah, the resolution of that storyline, I, I quite like it. Obviously, with the symbolism and the get out in a very, I guess, fun way. He crawls out, literally out of the cave. 
and i always find it funny as well when they're just still trying to pull out the rocks and they're like oh my god where's jack and then he's like he's here <laughs> they walk in <laughs> through the entrance of the caves <laughs> and i think that's one of the funny things about lost as well especially obviously getting a bit further on again but like with the hatch how all of a sudden there's so many more entrance entrances around the island <laughs> that people happen to find and walk out of and you think eh where did that come from <laughs> like it's just there's, there's one of them it's just behind like some vines and it's just a, a regular door isn't it yeah that's one of the main yeah. to be the hatch or the swan whichever one mm, yeah. i can't remember but they just walked yeah, I, 20 yards down further down they could have got in the door well that's it in terms <laughs> of geography and how it's the show is edited they make it painfully clear that like getting to that door is very close to where the caves are or where the beach is. And you just think, are you kidding me? Has <laughs> someone tried to do a map of the island, like a, like a fan or something? They've tried to do like a, a geographical map. I might I, Google that now. Yeah, I, I'm on Lostopedia. Hang on, I'll have a quick look. Surely. Every, everything's like within like three meters of everything else. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is like, oh, just trees and woods. <laughs> it's like, how didn't we discover that this whole... Uh, Dharma camp. I tell you what, someone has, and it's on Pinterest. Of course, really? they have. Wow. I think it's all to do with the Dharma initiative, though. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm, may, maybe there was um, something on like the, the Lost website um, when it was on air that, no, because like a little um, fictional Dharma website, and they had like a. Some blueprints and not on or maps on there, perhaps. Yeah, it is because th this one I found it's got um, the Black Rock, which will come up later. It's got the crash site for the cockpit of eight one five, the tail section of eight one five, radio tower, even Jacob's cabin, which is way into the future. And it moves, um... doesn't it? It moves around the island. That's that's difficult for a map maker. This, this map is factually inaccurate. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> How bizarre. I'm no cartographer, however. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but that travels through time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, occasionally this, this island may be in 1970-something. When there's a big flash of light, you may be somewhere else. <laughs> I, I do quite like this map, though, because it's even got the golf course that they make on. It actually is just a big picture of a golf course and says golf course underneath it <laughs> love it and then it's got like obviously where all the dharma stations are yeah, that's pretty cool i might I keep that i can't wait for that stuff I, oh, I love all oh, that the dharma stuff, stuff. <laughs> it's the best it's these, ep the these best episodes stuff. are going to be twice as long when we come to the dharma stuff <sighs> when we get to desmond that beautiful <laughs> yeah. scottish man anyway so one other thing I forgot to mention as well, um, Jack Bean, obviously the the amazing doctor that he is, instantly knows that Charlie's going through withdrawal. So just before they get out of the cave, they have a little touching moment, I found. Obviously, Charlie was very guilty that he got him stuck, but he knows that he's struggling with withdrawal. And I think there's a bit of a mutual understanding that if and when they get out, he will help him get through it. Mm. Yeah. Again, it's, it's that classic Jack character trait where he's just, I don't know. I, I mean, people might, some fans of the show might see him as just being really intrusive and, and 
just always getting in people's <clears throat> business, but it's just inherently in his nature to be considerate and and just be aware about people um, and what they might be going through. I also quite like as well, just to get kind of to the end of the episode, because um, I'm, I'm wary of time and getting on to the other episode as well, but to bring it to a conclusion, I know Hurley brings some water to them and Jack, at that point anyway, they never mentioned that Charlie's a drug addict. He just kind of says, oh, he's got the flu. Because he's yeah. he's got a temperature, he's clearly got a temperature. He's sweating a lot and everything. He's got the the typical withdrawal symptoms. Um, but again, it's just a nice moment. I found that you know, we're not going to talk about it if you don't want to. It's, it's okay. Patient confidentiality, that kind of yeah. thing, I guess. Step into my <laughs> office, but it won't go any further than that. Yeah, exactly. But like you say, it's that's Jack, and Charlie respects that and appreciates it clearly, and. I think Jack also knows as well. It's none of his business, really, in a way. He, he'll help them, but he, he knows that he can't chastise someone for that. So, good old Matthew Fox. You get you get the two sides again. You get the the man of faith and the man of science there, both helping Charlie. It's quite 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 a neat Ooh, little. That is a good point. I never thought of that. Yeah, and you have um, like Locke's, uh, oh, what would you call it? sort of rehab technique throughout the episode you know it's like uh you can ask me three times and on the third time i'll give it to you um mm-hmm. which, which i thought I, I think that's quite a nice uh it was quite a nice way to do it because you know by the third time by what because of what's happened in the episode he's not going to he's not going to take his drugs um but it, it's it's a quite a nice moment at the end when he when he throws it in the fire um absolutely and you see them off flying away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, the, the on the nose, but it works. <laughs> absolutely on the nose. But yeah, he tosses it into the fire. And again, like you say, like that man, that man of faith is proud of him because he says it. But also the man of sciences as well for mm. obviously saving him, but also admitting his issues. And yeah. just oh, that's really clever. I never thought of that. It's, it's, just, it's, it's ebony and ivory working together in perfect harmony. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, what a show. Before we finish the episode here, there is the bit with um, somebody walloping Saeed in the back of the head. Yeah, yeah, shit, oh, I forgot yeah. about that. Which leads into the next episode a wee bit as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. Shit. Yeah, so that's when he's triangulating the signal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And he's the, he's the last one and it doesn't go to plan. Yeah. Ooh, okay, we'll, we'll touch upon that much more then in the next episode. Just wanted a few production notes that I've picked up. So at the start of this uh, podcast, we were talking about, obviously, I always find it funny how it's clearly filmed somewhere else when it's trying to be somewhere else. So apparently the church scene at the start of the episode, uh, or in the flashback, should I say, with Charlie and Liam, meant to be in Manchester, was actually filmed in Honolulu. I'd have thought LA in a studio, but it was actually filmed in Honolulu. <laughs> which has to be the strangest backdrop for Manchester I've ever heard of. <laughs> um, it did look very it, tropical, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. But it looked really bright. Nothing like Manchester. <laughs> no, I, I, it's a running joke for me, but I, I've gone, I work, I work sometimes a lot out of Manchester and um, even the Mancunians agree. Like whenever you go to Manchester, it's always raining. True. Like you, get, you, yeah. you, get, you get on the train in Sheffield and it's bright sunshine. And you go through the tunnel and you get out into the hills and it's grey. 
And by the time you're in Manchester, it's tipping it down with rain. <laughs> it's just can't catch a break. Um, the heroin that is used is actually brown sugar. So, yeah, cool. we've cleared that one up. And I didn't realize this. I thought it was very on the nose anyway, but Monaghan has confirmed that drive shaft are kind of modeled on Oasis. <laughs> In that apparently... <laughs> Oasis's first album is critically acclaimed, didn't sell big numbers, but in the industry, people gave it respect. <laughs> Fair enough. Just because it's Oasis. It doesn't Charlie, um, I think it's in one of the much, much later episodes, but doesn't Charlie, like, I think Desmond sees Charlie and he's busking and he's singing Wonderwall. Quite possibly. I'm pretty sure that happens. Everyone picks up an acoustic guitar and you just know what that person's going to play and it blows my head in. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. Yeah, because like, I play guitar, but I pick up an acoustic and I'm like, hey, anyway, here's Come As You Are. <laughs> I, don't do, I don't go to Wonderwall straight away anyway. Okay. That's that the finale. Is, yeah, that's the finale. Everyone knows to play Wonderwall last, not first. <laughs> don't bust your load that quick. Anyway, that is the moth. So, moving swiftly on to episode 8, Confidence Man, which I always enjoy a bit of Sawyer, personally, uh, especially in the early days. So, Scott, what have you got for us? Okay. Uh, Confidence Man, uh, say, Sawyer episode, aired 10th November. This one, a slight drop, 18.4 million viewers, um, directed by Tucker Gates, who has directed many shows across the years, including... Yeah, yeah free, 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 he did three different seasons of Lost. It was only a handful of episodes. I think he did one in season three and a few in season six. So there's quite a big gap. Um, and he had also worked with Abrams on Alias, if you remember oh, that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed Alias. <clears throat> yeah, uh, so obviously he had some cred behind him. Uh, but he predominantly worked on Bates Motel. He did uh, 17 episodes of that nice. show. Oh, that's where I know that name. Um, yeah, um, and this episode was written by her old mate Lindelof. Yay. Um, <laughs> uh, quick, quickly, your famous birthdays, Richard Burton. Oh. Uh, quite a lot of birthdays. I've got a handful here. It's quite a lot. It's quite a busy date. Uh, Ennio Morricone, uh, the composer. Uh, Zoe Deutsch, uh, Neil Gaiman, uh, Taron Egerton, ah. and Brittany Murphy, who's obviously no longer with us, but. That's a that's a and, good bunch, that. Yes, yeah, there's quite a few others. Not not many famous ladies. There was a there was a couple I picked out, but um, yeah, there's a lot of film and TV music related birthdays. Cool. Um, so, so yeah, just having a look as well at Tucker Gates. This one's he uh, he's directed a few episodes of uh, the American Office. One of which was Threat Level Midnight. Yes, he <laughs> yes, that was I originally put that on my notes that he directed some Office episodes. He did uh, the branch obviously. closing episode in season three. And women's appreciation as well in season three and the job fair episode in season four, but threat level midnight stands out to me. <laughs> That's brilliant. Threat level yeah. midnight's amazing. Yeah. Also he did um he did a two episodes of Parks and Rec by the looks of it, one of which was Ron and Tammy Part Two, which is one of my absolute favourite episodes of that show. So. Oh yeah, any Ron and Tammy stuff is just gold in my opinion. Uh, oh it is. Tammy <laughs> <laughs> I just, just to digress, I just think when he blow when he gets his eyebrows blown off and that season finale, and then he, and then when he realizes Tammy Wan's there, 
<laughs> and he just runs and grabs that bag from the the thing and he's like godspeed and just runs off <laughs> that character man beautiful anyway thank you scott so this episode is centered around sawyer as we've said so i thought the main purpose of this episode really is i guess in these early episodes he's been kind of set up as as the easy antagonist you know he's a bit of a dick to be nice to him obviously he's he accidentally didn't kill the marshal as we know so you know he's got a he's got a gun he knows how to use a gun Mm. he's got that texan charm about him he's obviously a bit of a wild card a bit of a cowboy so you get all these stereotypical associations with that character but i think this episode acted to show that he's anything but that he's just a product of a lot of what's happened to him in his life Mm. yeah yeah and i think importantly as well unless it happened a bit earlier you've got you've kind of got rumblings of it but it it kind of set up that love triangle between him jack and kate yeah um it was a little uh i don't know i don't it didn't really sit right with me um because the episode is trying to portray him as this this con man with the heart of gold and then he's sort of well i guess i guess it it is a a con man type move to to get kate to kiss him and then uh, i'm jumping ahead but but have no information um but i just thought i I thought it felt that we bit contrived the whole love triangle like i always have felt that the the kate sawyer and jack love triangle was a bit contrived just because they're the the three most prominent leads i guess um and this episode it, later on I, I find it more believable but at the moment I'm like I was just a wee bit like eh, I'm not a big fan of that so much hmm. no I totally, I totally understand where you're coming from and again for me it's that reflect, reflective nature of it mm-hmm. you know I think it definitely in the early days it was always Jack and Kate mm-hmm. and it was quite obvious and even having rewatched it a bunch of times over the years, Sawyer always felt like a third wheel in a way. <laughs> I know he's kind of intended in a way to be that, but then she starts to get those feelings for him as well. And like you say, it does start to go, Ugh. it almost felt like the writer's room said to themselves, we've kind of got to go through with this now, even if we don't <laughs> necessarily want to or know how to, but we've got to do the bit of the lovey-dovey stuff. I, I certainly know what you mean. Mm. It, it's kind of like, Every show has to have it, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and I think um, this this is going to sound a bit cruel, but um, Sawyer, I, I guess Kate is is Sawyer's um, object of affection because there's not a lot of other women on the island. If you know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I get yeah. Have, uh, I get what you mean. Claire, who is pregnant, and you have Shannon, who is a moron. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> And then you have Son, who is married. And I think that's that's the only, out of the main cast, I think those are the only... Yeah, 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 I think you're right. Um, Rose. I, I, oh, Rose, yeah. Course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Bernard's alive, so it's all right. Oh, that's true, yeah. Hey, we don't know this. We don't know this shit. <laughs> no, but she's, Sorry, spoilers, she's, spoilers, spoilers. She's holding the torch. She'd never, she'd never go with Sawyer. No. Um, but, but the, the, I don't think any, any sensible woman or man would. <laughs> Well, not at this stage. Maybe, maybe later on down the line. Yeah, <laughs> I actually thought this episode, when it came to it, was one that happened much later on, which I think is a better Sawyer episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm just double checking my notes. It's definitely not this one where it's flashbacks to when he's a little boy, is it? No, no, no. Right, okay. I'll not say any more then. It's definitely that one. I think is a better explanation of his character. What we find out, we get yeah, the 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 letter in this episode that explains that. Um, how do how do we feel about that sort of backstory? Um, Uh, in terms of the episode, how it plays out. I was okay with him with with this reveal about the letter. So initially you get the feeling that he's obviously it's meant to tell the audience that Sawyer was the um Sawyer was this adulterer who ruined this child's life. But then they kind of and, and then and then you get that, that running thing of the, the, the long con, you know, the con man. But then eventually they blow their beans and turns Saw into a sympathetic character by the end. Mm-hmm. And I just think they should have really, they could have built more character, more drama between, especially between Kate and Sawyer, if they just let that ride for a few more episodes. Yeah. Um, it would have had, yeah. would have had more of a punch, um, but then they just kind of, I think they just kind of ruined it. I wasn't a big fan of the episode, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. No, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it's like what you've said, John, about like that, you know, that criminal with the heart of gold. It's, don't get me wrong, Josh Holloway, very charismatic dude, mm-hmm. but it's there's only so much you can do with that. I don't even think there's like an episode in there almost with that kind of storyline. There's you can't really even do forty minutes with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you've got the stereotypically he, he, he slept with that woman and he's like, oh no, I've got to go, and then the money falls out of the briefcase, and you're like, oh okay, so that's who he is. We kind of figured that out. Yeah, yeah, and it, they, yeah, it's it's very. Um... It's all very quickly, very quickly established of, of what he, of what he does. Yeah, I think he does explain some dialogue with with the, his lady lover, you know, of, of what he plans to do to her husband, and you get the idea that this is his quote unquote career. This is what he does, and then he, I think he elaborates further to Kate as well. Of, of, you know, may, maybe, may, maybe I think after they kiss, I can't remember, but um, yeah, you certainly get the whole, the whole package in terms of what he was mm-hmm. before he got to the island yeah i think i think the most important part there's not really much to say about the flashbacks if i'm honest um but i think the the key the one good thing out of the flashbacks was the foreshadowing of when he, he sees the small boy mm-hmm. uh you know the little boy come into the room and the, the very last part of the flashback and i got you know like we say it's very stereotypical all the way through but then there's that moment hits and you think okay there's more to this so it yeah. might be very, very badly materialized to begin with, but there's there's more to this and they are going somewhere with it. So mm-hmm. in one sense, for me, I thought, fair enough, it kind of had to happen this episode because I always thought they were going somewhere with it. And obviously they do, but I, I thought there's more to him than just this criminal with a heart of gold kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I, I, it's with the, the previous episode, the Charlie one as well. Um, all the flashbacks and and all the episodes do this, but the the last flashback of the episode is is the one with the the most relevance, I guess. Um, you know, it, it's all just set up for that last one, which which is fine. But um, oh, I've just lost my train of thought. That's annoying. I frequently do that. Oh. In case you no- <laughs> noticed, I always do that. <laughs> uh, oh, I forgot where I was going, but uh, like you have, um, I thought it was quite. A little bit clumsy, like as you say, it would have been better if they'd they'd 
kept going to, to maybe the next Sawyer episode, um, you yeah. know, his whole backstory, because it's like Kate reads that letter and it is the most tragic backstory all at once that you could possibly think of. And it's just like, okay, you're, you're hitting yeah. it a bit hard here. You know, it's like, okay, we, we get he's not the, you know, the, the Arsenal character that he has been for the first seven episodes, but to give him the most tragic backstory so you instantly feel sympathy for him, I just thought was a wee bit clumsy. Um, but I do like the, the 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 last flashback where you know he sees the kid, and obviously the episode yeah. building up to that moment. And I do think that's quite good. But um, yeah, the, the the previous two episodes, the Charlie one and this one, um, the flashbacks seem very A to B just to get to that last one. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think this is from what we've discussed. I think we can probably all agree that this is probably the the first example where the flashbacks and the uh, the island events don't necessarily have that synergy. They don't quite gel together. Mm-hmm. Not because what they are referring to isn't linked. It's just one's a lot flatter than the other, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't. It just doesn't tie up as well as the Charlie one, or even the lock. Obviously, the lock one, uh, the Jack one, for example. Even even Kate's one, who you know, sometimes I find Kate to be quite an underwritten character personally. But even that one had more going for it, I think, <clears> than this one. Do you, I was gonna say, do you think maybe these flashbacks haven't haven't don't hit as well as the others? Is because the other flashbacks have pretty much led up straight to when they're about to board the plane. Like everyone else is, I'm not sure if it, if Kate did this as well, but yeah. everything else was pretty much the timeline straight before they got on the flight. So I'm pretty sure Kate's can flashbacks ended with a in the cuffs getting on the plane with the marshal. I want to, I think. Uh, yeah, I no, remember. no, they did. Yeah, because doesn't he like ask her if she wanted something like another drink or something? Yes, he does. The... Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, it's it's an yeah because the the flashbacks for Sawyer ends with him just walking out of that house, doesn't it? With yeah. no particular time reference as to when and where he is. Yeah. No. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So it's almost like 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 you say, it it is leading into that next flashback in his next episode. They've obviously left that th- that thread hanging. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So maybe the next one is more um, in line with what's happening just before the flight. So it's I'm, more. I'm just going to do rewarding. a quick look at something. I'd be interested if Lindelof did the next one. Just a, a question yeah. about the um, about the story. You know, Sawyer says he has this whole tragic backstory monologue, and then um, it goes into how he also became a con man. Like, does that? Do you think that tracks logically? Uh, I think he said some. It's like a throwaway line. If he says, "Oh well, I, I just," I think he said that he, he conned a woman, and he's like, "Oh, I've, I've become, I've become the guy who ruined my family." I'll just, I'll carry it on. Yeah, and it, it didn't. Yeah, I just like, like he takes the name of the guy as well. I'm just like, okay, that's that's exactly not what I was thinking. Yeah, it just, yeah, it loses the sympathetic side to him straight away. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Josh Holloway. <laughs> I love, I love it's so character. sad when you dissect things and you realise that it's not as well written as you thought it was. <laughs> well, we know he becomes a better character you oh, know, yeah. throughout the season. He becomes a better person, and yeah. the character becomes just a more enjoyable character to watch. Yeah. But he's not like a he's not like a one dimensional guy at the end of it. That's it. He's yeah. way more enjoyable when he's he's still a bit of a knob, but he's nice as well. He's, not <laughs> he's just a nice knob. He's, yeah, he's a nice knob. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a nice knob. Yeah, when he's when he. 
especially when he starts getting his glasses. That always makes me laugh. But we'll get to that. <laughs> of his little books and his bookcase. Yeah. yeah. But that, that's the kind of thing you need to do with a character like him because he is like he is a knobhead. He's funny and he's a dick and he treats people like shit sometimes, but he has got a heart of gold. So you've got to have fun with that when, yeah. you know, everyone's kind of taking the piss out of him. So Definitely. Yeah, definitely. But, so with the island events then, so... Sawyer catches Boone going through his stash of things. Just the way you said Boone. It's yeah. just great. It's just when you you know when you've written something down and and you don't like that thing. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there is a there is a moment where I'm gonna say previously on Shannon Watch. Well, I, oh, yeah, I only wish we could get Carton Cuss to read that out in his voice. <laughs> Ooh. But yeah, you just look at it and you go, oh, yeah. Boone again. I was, when, I, when I was watching the episode, I was I have as all as I always do. I had what's Shannon's bullshit this week in my head, and I thought I've written down here. It seems a bit unfair to have Shannon's bullshit of the week be being asthmatic. You know, okay, that's a bit cruel. <laughs> <laughs> but it's first world problems. It doesn't help that they don't act it well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that it's not convincing. I just sit there and I'm like, oh, for God's sake. Like, <laughs> You just kind of want it to be done with, don't you? But no, we get a bit more of them. So, <laughs> so yeah, he's searching through his stash for that. And Jack is tending to... Oh, so we can pick up on this plot point then from previous episodes. So Sai got uh, whacked over the head by an unknown assailant. <clears throat> and this is where Jack is tending to his wound. So obviously the triangulation of the signals failed, the French woman's distress signal. And the transceiver has been destroyed and yes. everyone's getting a bit anxious yes and then um boone walks in all injured and everybody pins the blame on sawyer isn't that right yeah well, he, he says sawyer attacked him we don't see it but mm. uh yeah he he smacks her in the chin a few times yeah oh no but uh, like um everybody pins um Saeed. Oh, the um, getting yeah, blood. sorry, yeah, sorry, and that leads into the the very very strange and very very unlost, um, in my opinion, torture scene. <laughs> yes, that's what I've. That's the big thing I've got in my notes, and it's always something I remember distinctly. Mm-hmm. Maybe because it's so unlike the show. Yeah, it's very strange. Like like it was early two thousands. It was that era of twenty four and torture being sort of in vogue. Um, I always laugh that that's just how Jack Bauer did things. Yeah, I don't think there was half a season went by up until like the latter years where until they got told you've got to stop doing this now. Yeah. It, it just sort of very yeah. strange. I thought it was very unfortunate. Again, kind of clumsy um, that they obviously have Said, you know, the Iraqi character, be the one to do it. Yeah, um, like like I think by the end of the episode, um, they sort of. They sort of have their cake and eat it a wee bit because Said is very repentant about what he's done, and then he goes off on his little walk about it at the end. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't feel. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it feels no, right. It, 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 it's weird because it, it obviously it's got aspects of violence in it mm-hmm. as a show generally, but it, it it's not it's not a narcissistic show, and that that is a moment where maybe Lindelof went a bit too far. Because hmm. there's other ways to do that, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, initially, the shock factor's there, but then that's all it is. It doesn't really serve a purpose. 
No, no. Other than to be like, because what's he putting bamboo shoots under his fingernails? Oh, I mean, yeah, horrible. That's, that's like the thought of that. <laughs> you know, it's bad enough when you cut your nail too much down and you feel that tender skin, <laughs> but to think, oh, God, no. Yeah. And it yeah, seems, I agree with you on that one. It seems very out of character for Jack um, to to go along with, you know. Um, I know yeah, he's, he just watches it. Yeah, I know he's sort of at his at his wits' end, and I think he's already had the the fight with Sawyer, or well, he's he's hit Sawyer a couple of times. Um, but yeah, it just it the whole thing. It's almost up. like it's almost like the writers kind of thought over the course of these episodes, we've had so many reasons to justify this in a way. Mm. Sawyer's done this to, to Jack. He's done this to Saeed. He's insulted so and so. He's upset these people. What can you know? Maybe it feels justifiable to do this, and it, it doesn't. It's not. But maybe they should have done this in another episode, and not in the episode where you try and make him sympathetic. Mm. Yeah, it's tone. It's tonally this episode's all over the shop. Yeah, without a doubt. Especially, yeah, throwing that. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, yeah, throwing. If, if you. If you had the guy doubling down, saying, "You know, I ain't gonna tell you where the where the fucking like inhalers are. Like, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the bastard still mm. for another like five or six episodes," and then it's slowly just just drip fed little moments of compassion, and he grows a bit closer to to Kate or to other characters, and then you have this big reveal that he was this guy who's like a, a child of a effectively a um an orphan, you know. Um, mm. It would just would have just would have served the character better. I don't know. No, I, I think everything you're saying is right. Yeah, because even when he's getting tortured, I don't necessarily feel sympathy for him. Again, it's that mm. it's that shock factor of it. You just think you're not every character in that scene. I don't think of anything for them, especially. I don't think, oh, what's Jack thinking right now? What you know? How is Side feeling? Is he enjoying? I just think, oh wow, okay. And then it, you move on to the next bit. It just like John's mentioned, it's just very not lost. It doesn't work. Yeah. I, so, I think it's effectively just to serve as a a, a character, um, a, 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 just a talk to say to the audience. Said knows how to do torture <laughs> scenes because he was in the the yeah. Republican Guard. Yeah, that's yeah. literally it. Yeah. yeah. So they had I to agree. throw it in there. It's very gratuitous, but yeah. Yeah, and it's not gratuitous in the right way. There's a time and a place for it, and this didn't work. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. First, ne- first, first bits of negativity. Oh, dear. But it's There's all plenty valid. more to come. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I love it. It's my favourite, but I agree. <laughs> I have some. I have some thoughts about some future stuff. <laughs> I guess that brings me then to Shannon Watch because you know. Um. I'm just reading my notes again. She obviously needs an inhaler. He, oh, yeah, no, that's it. Sorry, we've talked about it. He gets the torture out of the way. And then Kate calls his bluff, basically, mm. and gets him to kiss him. Which, again, thinking about it, it's quite a, like, sloppy kiss. <laughs> it's t- he, they, well, they both made it count. Yeah, it goes on for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I cannot remember it going on as long as it did, and I was sat there thinking, "Wow, this again, yeah. almost unlost like, <laughs> very tonally, very tonally um, inconsistent with what's just come before." And I just think, "Bloody hell, that's not <laughs> right. That doesn't seem to work." It's weird because 
you had all the past like six episodes, seven episodes, where Kate is making googly eyes at Jack all the time, mm-hmm. and then you have just these small moments of this. Maybe she has this dark side. She wants, she likes a bit of a bad boy, you know, moments of creeping here and there with Sawyer. But the first character she actually kisses is Sawyer, and it's it's not even like she doesn't even. She doesn't kind of pull back at all. She just goes full she on. She slaps one on him, doesn't she? Yeah, and the camera's right in there, yeah. and and also the boom mic is right above their heads because you can hear every single bloody squelch. And <laughs> do you know what? As well, my I was streaming in like 1080p, and you you can see everything. Like you know, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I was I I didn't like it. <laughs> that that is literally my thoughts on it. I didn't like it. It was it perturbed me, and I quickly moved on. Well, to to go from from one couple to like a, well, one sort of couple to another couple in the episode, you have um, Claire and Charlie, and I I really I like I love Claire and Charlie. I think they're great. Claire especially, I, I just always like that character. And there's the just the small little happier um, plot in the episode of the peanut butter, and it's just like that's just really nice. I just really like that whole that whole subplot. Yeah, I agree. The whole yes. innocence is really is really great to, yeah. to watch. Yeah, uh, them, yeah, because they're like and the kids, they're... effectively, aren't they, at the island? <laughs> they yeah. are, and the peanut butter thing is paid off much uh, well at the, around the start of season two, with the the whole hatch storyline, <laughs> the little neat little neat moment. Um, funnily enough, so we were talking about Mister Locke a lot last episode, and he kind of comes back into the fold in this one when he's talking with Said about who attacked him. Further down the line, you find that out. We'll not go there just yet, but obviously he suggests that Sawyer is the culprit. Um, and, you know, one would think it is. You know, he's hoarding everyone's possessions. He's quite clearly who he is. He's a bit of an arse, so why wouldn't it be him? Hmm. Uh, but again, I just kind of liked... Well, I guess I'll have to say it to prove my point, but Locke is the one who knocks Said out. Spoilers. <laughs> Oh, okay. I had completely forgotten. Um, I and but to prove but to prove my point, that's what Scott obviously has been mentioning a lot throughout. There's these power moments with Locke. Ah, oh, okay, cool. And it just yeah. kind of lends into that, and it makes me. I, I love the idea that he's he knows he's done it, <laughs> but he's saying to say, "Oh yeah, it could be Sawyer. He's causing shit in the group. He's a right gossip whore. <laughs> <laughs> he is basically like the Regina George of Lost." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, it's just even if he didn't do, if he didn't do the deed himself, I still, I still think he would have used the opportunity to um, kind of manipulate hmm. and just get get people more on his side and yeah. more in agreement with him, just so they could see him more as a leader and more of a, um, as a as a. Uh, I'm not gonna say like a, a sage I can kind of visit for advice, but just a, a point of contact, like a first port of call, if there's any sort of issues, he's still just kind of vying for that, mm. for that power. Absolutely. Yeah. It just make, it, it, Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, it's, it's just, it just makes me dislike the character. <laughs> it's really awkward <laughs> because I, I, he is the best performer in the whole series without question. Absolutely. But I guess the complexity of, of Locke is one of the, the great, great things about the show. Agreed. Yeah. And I guess to, I guess there's not really a lot in this episode, really. I guess as we've already discussed, but to kind of wrap things up, you know, Sawyer gives up the inhalers. We've talked about the kiss. Um, um, you get the gin and sun moment with Michael. Oh yeah. Um, oh, a very right. small scene 
when they're collecting the the, the plants, she's making some ancient Korean remedy for, for asthma. Yeah. Oh no, they... isn't it just eucalyptus? It is eucalyptus. <laughs> yeah. They don't find the um the inhalers. No, it, it isn't Sawyer that takes them because he, he. Oh no, he doesn't, does he? No. Yeah, it's no. it's um, yeah, Sun finds the or Michael finds the eucalyptus for Sun. That's yeah, that's how that resolves itself. I quite like uh, Matthew Fox's response to that when he smells it and he just kind of goes, oh, yeah, yeah, eucalyptus. Yeah. Almost like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah. Sun, sun found the uh, the Vicks vapor rub plant. <laughs> the, oh my God, vapor rub has lost. A little bit. <laughs> so, yep, Shannon lives to fight another day. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Was, was the point of Shannon, beca- was, was Shannon just like a, just a victim of the, of the plot? Just to get, just to see this um, rift between Sawyer yeah. and Jack. Yeah, yeah. Apart, apart from obviously having the asthma attack, she has no bearing on anything that happens. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. So as it, I said again, earlier, it, again, it lends into the A to B nature of the episode. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame. It is a shame. And then the the final reveal is, like we say, we have that shocking moment that up until this point is arguably the most damaged character in that uh, he is the kid who wrote the letter and that he is very damaged from the actions of this Mr. Sawyer that so much so he took his name. Hmm. Because that's logical. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. I like his actual name, but you know. Who is it? Is it it... James? James Ford, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that they give him Ford. I think there's a there's a Western reference in there. Oh, definitely. I, yeah. I'm gonna have to have a look at that, but I'm pretty sure there's a Western reference in there. What's his name? What's the name that he takes later on in the series? When he is it like Lafleur? Lafleur. Let's yeah. see, Lafleur. Oh my god, I it's can't wait for all this. <laughs> oh my god, Peter Lafleur. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't wait to get into all the time travel stuff because they reference Lafleur. Before the time travel stuff starts happening, I think. Oh, do they? Oh, that's cool. I'm Grandfather sure paradoxes and all that shit. I'm sure they do at some point. But anyway, and then the, the episode wraps up neatly with, like we've said, Charlie and Claire. <laughs> very nice, very sweet. A very sweet moment. And thus concludes Confidence Man. A not great entry in Lost Season 1. <laughs> <laughs> So... Do we? Uh, oh, because we also sorry. Just um, another. There's there's so many minor moments in this that I keep forgetting about, but it just occurred to me. Um, Saeed buggers off, doesn't he, mm-hmm. at the end? Yes, he does. So he's yep. gone off to explore the island, is he, to map out the island? Yes. Okay. And I believe that's so what... into the next episode where he finds the French woman. I think. Correct. Oh, okay. No. Oh, um, right. Hold on. Hold on a sec, because I wrote this in my notes. So next week's episodes will be... In, yes, it is. So next week's episodes are Solitary, which is Saeed, followed by... Raised by Another, which is Claire. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Solita- Solita- Solitary is a big one. Mm-hmm. Not just because of Saeed, but that's kind of when the mythology really kicks in mm-hmm. for the show. Yeah, they've kind of been slow to, to build, I've noticed, on... on... Uh, the whole, you know, mythology, but yeah, it'd be, now we've kind of established the characters a bit, the core characters. It'd be it's good to get into that now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right. Thank you very much, guys. 
No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everyone who was listening. If you have been listening, keep listening. It's very nice. This I'm enjoying it a lot. I think we all are. Um, so speak next week. <laughs> <laughs>